Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we have a jam-packed show tonight to talk about what might be the worst Tottenham game of the Jose Mourinho era, according to one of our returning panelists. We have the whole gang here. Joining us from exile is Michael Cayley. Michael, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be back. Um, can't wait to talk about the chairman's got to back the manager if he wants to see trophies. <laughs> so speaking of that, is, is this the most miserable that Spurs have been during your fandom? Is this? Uh, can you remember a time that it has been more of a chore to watch Spurs games? No. No, I can't. Like, the sh- honestly, like, I didn't watch some of the Sherwood era. The Sherwood era, I, I, I think I honestly found the Sherwood era more disheartening because it felt like... This feels so close to not being terrible that it makes me angry every week. <laughs> the Sherwood era felt like just like death, and then it got better really fast. It was like it was like that season of Community without Dan Harmon, where it was just sort of like, "What are we doing here?" And yeah, right. And then suddenly, like the next year, it's like, "Oh, that was just the Gas League season. It's okay." Yeah, yeah. This is like the Yahoo season of Community, where it's just like, mm, "This could be good, but it really isn't." Uh, next up, we have uh, coming to us live from Atlanta, but without the crickets, um, it is Ben Daniels. Ben, uh, is this the most miserable Spurs have ever been during your fan? You, you, you've been fan during some pretty miserable years, so. Yeah, I mean, I think the worst stretch of like Spurs form is obviously has to be like two points eight games under one day, and honestly, even before that, like after we won the League Cup final at the end of the season, we were on the beach and like we drifted into like 11th place or something like that and didn't win hardly anything. So there was a really, really long period where we were bad, but like, I don't know. I we never expected it to be that good either. So like being bad didn't hurt the same way, you know, now like the recent success of Pochettino era Spurs is so fresh that to see this team be this bad with this many good players is yeah, there's been nothing as miserable. And even if you loathe Jose Mourinho, like he's still which we do. yeah, well, obviously he is still Jose Mourinho, and there's part of your brain which is like, well, if he's our coach, we should be challenging for leagues and European cups and all this other shit, and we're not doing any of that, so it just makes it all somehow worse. Yeah, I hope Daniel Levy is feeling the same way. <laughs> And finally, we have, last but not least, coming to us from the slopes of Miami, Florida, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, is this the most miserable four of you seen as a Spurs fan, or is is there a time that competes with it? I mean, I was going to say basically what Ben said, but <laughs> since, since I have to say something different because this is, you know, for content, um, I guess I would say, like, I really hated the Premier League matches during our Champions League run. Like, we would have those good, we would have, like, Tuesday, Wednesday nights were amazing. And then we would go out and, like, 1-1 draw with whoever was in 16th place. It was just, like, it was just a brutal slog to the finish line that was made better because we were going to the Champions League final as well. Um, So, you know, that league performance was miserable, but this is just, like, all-encompassingly miserable, so this is probably worse do you remember the southampton game in that stretch we played the one we played great for like 20 minutes and we just threw the game away yeah um that was the one game where that happened oh well i was gonna say that felt like a lot i thought you were gonna say like you know there was that one goal i feel like we didn't play well for extended periods during a lot of those games so that that's why it felt like such a distinction to me like I don't know. I, that that just kind of the the kind of slump towards the end of Pochettino was just kind of like, ugh. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I think it might have been even worse if we knew where it was all headed. But alas, 
Uh, Michael, when we were doing our sort of pre-podcast uh, chat, you said that this past Sunday's game is the worst game of Mourinho's tenure at Spurs. Could you expand on that for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, they, they conceded twenty-two shots. I think it was like nineteen of them were in the penalty Hold on, area. I'm sorry, I can't let this pass. Uh, what Muppet stole your microphone <laughs> in the beginning of that? You sounded very <laughs> different at the beginning of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I cannot let that pass without voice comment. modulation. Is part of like how you express um, strong feelings. Uh, I figured it was a Patreon feature that I was unaware of for the Dembele level subscribers. Guys. <laughs> exactly. I've all, always had a voice for radio. Um, sorry. Continue. But, continue. Or start over. <laughs> yeah. They, they. They. I mean, it's it, Newcastle are a very bad team. And in particular, they are a bad attacking team, a Steve Bruce team. Conceded 19 shots in the penalty area. Um, Stats bombs, XG had it at 2.7. It's so like some of like the numbers that went flying around there that was like over four XG conceded, I think overstated that. But like conceding two to three expected goals to Newcastle is a truly garbage performance. And the, the second half, we were just like, be, it, it, there, there were games where Spurs were like, there were a lot of games that were miserable to watch, like the, like the Crystal Palace game, where we went up and then just sort of sat there and conceded lots of space. But like, it's not like Hugo's goal was being battered in those games. That That's a new thing for the, for the team to just absolutely collapse on defense while producing like a little bit of attack, but like, this balance of the the balance of attacking and defending that we had in this game was worse even like on net than the balance of attacking and defending we had in those games where we just sat there. Like you play like that, you get relegated. That that's just just terrible. And I mean, we conceded an actual goal to Joe Linton. Not not an expected goal. Like he got he has an actual goal now. And I don't remember what the number was, but it was like the first in like 24 matches or something stupid like that. Does he only and score against Spurs? I, it feels like it does. Right it? before a manager gets fired, hopefully. Uh, it, <laughs> and I mean, the thing that, you know, the thing that I found frustrating about this game is, is like Michael said, we were getting battered. And we had out there a midfield that should have been able to control this match and possess the ball and move through whatever the midfield that Newcastle was playing easily. I mean, you've got Hoiberg and Dombele and Lacelso. Like that's the midfield three that we have all been dreaming about for two seasons. And they played together for, I don't know, I guess the first, I think this is the first time they all three started a match this year. Probably maybe they've had one other one where they all started and it looked like shit. Like it just didn't work. Um, and I don't know if it's Lacelso just coming back from injury, or Lacelso and Ndombele haven't really played together, or or what the deal is. But I mean, we got bossed by like John Joe Shelby and whoever the fuck else plays for Newcastle. Like it, it was so bad. What if I told you it was the manager Jose Mourinho? Would you yeah, buy I mean, that? I, I think, <laughs> and you know, I'm spitballing here that that's part of the problem. I can't say how much of the problem, but I'm thinking a greater than zero part of the problem. Well, let's talk about think... the problem. Ben, he blamed the manager. I mean, he, bl- he blamed the players after the game. Like, I mean, is, it, is it all the manager? Is it, I mean, are, is there any bl- – I mean, obviously there are some players who did some dumb shit, but, like, I, I personally feel like they're all being put – not put in a position to succeed. I mean, is it the players? Is Mourinho right? Look at his trophy cabinet. He can't be wrong, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to respond to that. Like, of, of course, like, yes, players make mistakes, but it's like we've talked about this ad nauseum this season when the players keep making mistakes in similar ways, you know, because of systematic reasons, it's no longer, you know, a player is bad. Like, Davidson Sanchez is bad. Like, I think he's bad at football. But there are times that we have seen Davidson Sanchez be a very serviceable center back. And you know, Jose, after the time he's had with this team, should know how to use this guy to get, you know, what what little he can offer. But, you know, there is something he can offer. And the fact that we consistently get less out of him than even your lowest expectations would imagine is a testament to the manager's failings. 
and it's frustrating because like before this game, the only manager in the Premier League I would have confidently said is a worse manager than Jose Mourinho is Steve Bruce. And then to get our asses handed to us by fucking Steve Bruce is just like, I, I don't know. There's what, what else does Jose have to hide behind? <laughs> I'm sure he'll find something. There, there's just, you know, <laughs> the, there's just so, something so frustrating about the, the team that we put out there and the actual performance that it generated. And, 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 you know, whether it was the tactical instructions or the formation itself or, or, or whatever the case would be. I mean, we played two strikers and we still, you know, sat deep and we didn't really create much chance, many chances. And, you know, we had, what, four or five minutes where we actually looked good and had some attacking intent and then... Is, is there a doubt in any of our brains that when this team puts together a good attacking move, that it's just the players figuring it out themselves? I mean, this does not look like a team with a plan at any like in any way. It doesn't even look like a bad plan anymore. It just doesn't. It looks like they're just out there and they're sort of left to their own devices. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't know what like. What what does a Jose team with an attacking plan look like, you know? And so you know we we've all heard you know the the stuff about Madrid and the not training the attacks or whatever, and and here the plan always seemed to be Kane and Son, and we tried that in the second half, um, and that didn't really work. So I, I just don't even know what we would put, what he as a manager would put together for this team that would even resemble something coherent other than you guys do it. He doesn't do it. doesn't want to do it. That's why you can't imagine it. Like you look at a a Pep Guardiola team and you know exactly what they want to do when they have the ball and what they want to do when they don't have the ball, you know, how they're going to move the ball from defense to attack, you know, what they're going to do once they get near that 18 yard box and how they're going to, you know, shift your players around um, and, and pass the ball into creating openings to, you know, create high-quality shots inside the box. You know how peak Klopp Liverpool is going to work the channels and get their fullbacks flying down the pitch and, you know, use their wide forwards while Firmino presses from the front and drops deep. Like, you understand the shape of these teams and how they try and move the ball and create opportunities. You don't see any of that with Spurs. You know, there was a minute there where the only kind of thing you could call a tactic that you see is, We'll get the ball to Kane, he'll hit it long over the top to Sun. And that was like the beginning and end of anything that you could call a, a tactic for moving the ball from one end of the pitch to the other. Beyond that, I mean, there, just, there isn't anything. And it's so clear, you know, when you have, again, three midfielders as good as Hoybier, Gomez, Celso, and Dombele, and they don't seem to have any idea of what to do once they get the ball at their feet and what runs they're supposed to be looking for and who they're supposed to be giving the ball to. and how they're trying to create opportunities for our attacking players to create shots for themselves. We know these are good players. We know these are talented midfielders. It, it is so clearly a structural failing that I, I just, I, I don't know what, what we can imagine about Jose. Well, I can imagine what a good manager would do with these players. I think that's the thing. Mourinho even sold himself to Levy when he came here. We've had a reporter from multiple sources. Like, this is a great team. They just need a little bit of tweaking, and they can get in the Champions League. Like, like they didn't need a lot of additions. And, you know, I don't think that's incorrect. I, I think, you know, very minor tweaking would be needed with the right manager to get this team, I don't know about the Champions League, but, like, playing well. I don't, I don't think we are far away. And Mourinho apparently didn't when he took this team over, but now he's retreating into, you know, blaming all the players. Not just one player, but all the players. And, you know, I mean, clearly this is... I don't know, maybe there's a world in which there is a team of players Mourinho could still succeed with, but he clearly doesn't know what to do with this group of players, which I think is particularly damning when you consider, like you said, how many talented and exciting players we have on this team. There is no reason that that midfield Brian talked about, even if Lacelso is off it and not used to playing with everyone and coming off an injury, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to control a game against Newcastle. I mean, it's not like Newcastle got two shots and scored on both of them. I mean, they were constantly peppering our goal. And it's just, you know, it's there's just no ideas. And, like, we've seen, I think the most notable thing to me is we've seen Tottenham play well a bunch this season. Like, 
we beat the crap out of Crystal Palace and Burnley. We early in this season we had we had that run with um you know we didn't we didn't beat Newcastle. We had our statistically dominated them. We beat Southampton. Like this team has consistent and we had a number of good games in Europe League. Like it has been very clear a number of times that this team was pretty close to being a very good team. We've seen the talent play and like it requires and we talked about this on the Slack a little bit. Like it requires like the right balance of how much you're going to risk being broken open in order to commit a bit more to the attack. And it's a complicated balance. It's not a simple balance. The team has bad center backs and you have to balance for that. And we've seen this team play that well. But Jose seems unable and unwilling to set the team up in a way that is just a little bit tilted to the attack, that is just a little bit tilted to, you know, giving time for those central midfielders to, to, to play the passes they want, giving them options and runners and having it not just be sun in behind. And, like, he either either he falls back into, you know, letting everything happen in the back of, half of the field, or occasionally, as we saw in um, against Newcastle, like... He can't get the, the balance right when he goes the other way. When this team is supposed to press and close down, they don't press and close down in a coherent way, and so they end up being broken open by a very bad attacking team. And, like, the thing that I think about some when I when I see how bad things have gone with, 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 with Jose at Spurs is how... Um, is what happened at Manchester United, where he was constantly asking for a new center back. Our center backs aren't good enough. Our center backs aren't good enough. Our center backs aren't good enough. And, like, it seems that he doesn't know how to make things work when he doesn't have great center backs. And now he's got bad center backs, not just merely not great center backs. And he just, it isn't something he can solve for. It seems like, I'm honestly interested in whether he could actually do a better job on another team that just doesn't have this particular problem. I don't know what it is. But, like, this is just desperately not working. Well, so so two things from what you said there, Michael. Like, first of all, the pressing in this Newcastle match was such a mess. Like, I don't know what the pressing triggers were uh, because I, I'm pretty certain the players didn't either. Um, there were there were so many times where they would close down a fullback or, or, or Vinicius would move to close down a defensive midfielder and... and no one had made, you know, the move to cut off the other pass. And, and it, it was, there was a lot of hand-waving and gesturing. And, and, I mean, a lot of the problem was Harry Kane wasn't in the right spot. Um, and it, it was just like they hadn't worked on it. Like, they, like Jose had decided on Friday or Saturday, hey, we should press these guys. So you guys just, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll press from the front and you guys figure that out. You did that before, right? And, and no one knew what they were doing, and, and and then with respect to the center backs, who even is a good Jose center back anymore? Like like the center back skill set is changing, I think. And so like guys like John Terry or um, you know what's the big guy he had at Inter Milan, um, you know like do are those players still? good in in football anymore like like we keep getting linked with the guy from southampton who vestigard right who is an enormous man but is he like an actual good champions league level center back i don't know that that's the case <laughs> i appreciate I mean, you I turning on your mic to call i know that was good. <laughs> fuck that one up well like okay I yeah redeem yourself then is i don't think I don't think Jose knows what he wants out of a center back anymore. You know, like Eric Dyer was a guy he was fucking hard for when he was at Man U. Like he wanted Eric Dyer to be a center back. And this was while he was playing exclusively as a defensive midfielder. Like he looked at Eric Dyer and said, this is the guy that I want to be my center back. And now he has him. And, you know, Dyer has been pretty erratic and isn't that good. But I, again, I, I, I don't know what Jose saw in Eric Dyer in the first place that now Eric Dyer doesn't have as a center back. You know, Jose identified Davidson Sanchez as the weak link in the Ajax team in the Man U Europa League final against them. 
and had made it a point to tell Davidson Sanchez on day one that I told my team to target you because you're bad. And yet, in spite of that, Davidson Sanchez seems to be the ever-present guy lately in our back line. It's weird, by the way, that that didn't work as a motivational tactic. (laughs) But, like, what, what, what is the connection between you're so bad with the ball at your feet that I recognize you are going to be the weak link in this team we're playing Two, you're the guy I'm going to pick every game and then say my center backs aren't good enough. What is the process that leads you to in a summer where you could have signed a center back to sign Joe Roden from Swansea and then barely play him all season. And when you have played him, he's arguably looked like our best center back this year. And so like, you know, I think Jose is going to complain and complain and complain about not getting the toys that he wants, but I don't trust that Jose has an understanding of what a center back should or could be doing in football. You know, you look at Man U and like Victor Lindelof is like, I don't think a great center back, but has been a very serviceable center back for a very composed defense at Manchester United under a manager who doesn't have great defensive organizational skills. So like, what exactly does Jose need to make this system work? Like, it seems like it's a, a fairy tale that he's just like, it's just his line that he has to trot out to excuse his inability to set up a system that works. On top well, I mean, of that, what the center back is supposed to do is not make mistakes. <laughs> if oh, the right. center backs just didn't make mistakes, they'd be good center backs. But that's my big problem with that's my problem with Mourinho. It's this Mourinho. I think putting aside the last like his tenure at Spurs and his how United ended, you know, he's probably the most successful, effective, defense-oriented coach of the 21st century. Or recent memory. Like, this is a guy who, on building solid defensive units, has won a lot of trophies and had a lot of success in Europe. He's, like, the only coach who was able to really go toe-to-toe with peak era Pep Guardiola Barcelona. I mean, this is not an unaccomplished coach. And he's got some center backs at Spurs who, you know, Eric Dyer has been a good player in the Premier League. Like you said, Ben, he clearly saw something in him when he was at United. Now, maybe there's the physical tools that diminish, but, you know, he saw something in Eric Dyer a couple of years ago. Davison Sanchez has, for all his other faults, a lot of physical tools as a fairly young defender. You know, there's a lot of promise there, even if he's kind of plateaued during his tenure at Spurs. Rodan, like you said, probably our best center back this year. Tober Alderweireld might have lost a step, but like was one of the best center backs in the Premier League, if not the best center back in the Premier League in fairly recent memory. And even if he's diminishing physically, is still, you know, if Jose wants units back there, he is one. He is not gotten any more out of them than I think Steve Bruce would have. Like, we're paying him all this money. He is clearly someone who has had success with defenders in the past, and he is just not getting anything more than the bare minimum out of these players, or the average, what the average coach could squeeze out of these players. He's not... All right, Steve, Steve Bruce, meanwhile, played a back three involving two out-of-position fullbacks who are both terrible, in Paul Dummett and Emil Kraft, and that seemed to work. And, like... And and then, like you said, Ben, our best center back this year, the guy who's looked like our best center back, Joe Roden, who maybe he's helping develop him behind the scenes, I don't know, but he only gets played when it feels like he wants to make a point to other players, not like, ooh, he's good, I'll put him on the team sheet and give him a run of games. He's just like another, like, you know, it's, he's like the dead fish in The Godfather. He's just there to send a message to someone else. It's, oh. And, and pretty clearly our best center back this season has been Toby Alderweireld. Like, he's not as good as he once was, but he's still very good possessionally. He's still a fantastic passer. Like, the attack works better when he's in there. And Jose is feuding with him, which is, like, the, the big thing that has been, like, the hallmark of Jose for, for years, and especially in his late period, is that whatever you think about him tactically, and I think he's done a terrible job with Spurs, but, like, even if you make the case for him tactically, what he's done is right now, what he's, he, he stopped icing out Tongi, thank God. He's letting Delhi play occasionally, but now he's icing out our best center back. Like, he's also icing out Gareth Bale, who was like at the heart of like that brief flurry of revival where we were scoring four goals a game. And so like when you have such like specific requirements and like the skill sets of your players and then you fight with them every time something goes wrong and then you complain when the players you're left with that you haven't fought with, which is now like barely a first 11. It's like, what, what, what do you want, man? <laughs> well, especially when you do that at Spurs, which 
not a small club, but we're not Manchester United. We're not Real Madrid. There's not 15 players coming down that pipe. We can't afford to waste. You know, we can't afford to sign Toby Alderweireld to an extension, and then like ice him out. Like that's not Spurs don't have that kind of money, especially in a pandemic. So I want to talk about, we've talked about why Mourinho sucks. I think, we talked a few weeks ago about how the Zagreb game was felt like a bit of a watershed for Mourinho. I thought after that game, this guy's getting fired at the end of the season. I mean, he's going to limp along. Uh, maybe you guys feel differently. Ben, I know you've wanted him out at, as soon as possible. Our friend Vince would probably go to jail if it meant he could kill Mourinho. But I, Sunday was the first time I thought he's not making it until the end of the season. I mean, Michael, we'll start with you since you're the guest. Do you think Mourinho makes it to the final day of the season? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Jose is that he's just not good at fixing bad situations. Like, if there's something wrong, he has this, like, deep psychological need to blame it on someone else. This, uh, uh, he's, he's, like, you saw him trying really hard, especially after the Zagreb match. To say he was not happy, but, like, everything went wrong, the team is going to work on this. Like, he was, like, clearly trying to discipline himself. You could see, like, the story that he told Levy, that, like, he's changing, he's working on being different with the press and with his players. And, and, and like, he really did try after Zagreb. And then after this game, he just couldn't do it again. He's, he's protecting game, he his reputation. Said, he's protecting his reputation, yeah. Yep, came came out and said same coach, different players. Like, how is that going to work? Like, at, at, there are going to be more bad games. This team is going to struggle more, and he's not going to be able to pull off the Zagreb press conference after every single one of those. He's just going to keep making it worse with a bunch of different players. Like that's why that's why that's why I've always thought that um, Jose, if it starts to go wrong it's really hard to like limp along because he just like keeps kicking the leg out from under like the working leg out from under you while you're limping. That's really the thing that I think is the biggest sign of Jose's deterioration as a manager is, is that failure in, in squad harmony. And like, he's always been an egotistical asshole. That's like, that's never changed. But if you remember back to his time at Chelsea you know, the way that he always structured this was, you know, they talked a lot about this idea of a siege mentality is create this culture of victimization, of feeling underestimated, of being the bad guys and letting the media paint you as the bad guys. So then you can go to the dressing room and say, you know, nobody believes in Chelsea. Everybody says this about Chelsea. We're just a bunch of up jump money grubbing, you know, fake club with no fans and no history. Everyone says we bought our success. And now you're going to go out there and show them why that's all a bunch of bullshit. And it was always, maybe not always, I don't remember all the details of every player he maybe had an issue with over the years, but I think the overall uh, position of the club towards the media was us against you, us against everybody in the country, everybody in the world. And they had this, this huge chip on their shoulder about how they went about things. And I think if you, it started really changing at Real Madrid when he had a clubhouse that wasn't perfectly behind his mystique. And he had players like Sergio Ramos and Iker Casillas that he couldn't get on his side. And so he wasn't able to create that same culture of us against the world. And it suddenly became my guys against these guys. And I think that is like the, the big shift that I think underpins his his collapse as a manager is he stopped being able to create an atmosphere of togetherness. Even if it's a weird, fucked up, toxic way of togetherness compared to like Pochettino's Energia Universal where everybody loves each other. Like it was a, a, a togetherness that unified the squad in a, in a goal. And I think as his career has gone on, it's gotten worse and worse in the way that it's, uh, you know, just marked by infighting and you you don't have the depth of players like we talked about to create an us against us mentality and still have enough us left to like win the games. And I think this when he said same coach different players is the moment where like 
you're really running out of players on your side. And that's when I think the rope's really running out. Well, and the important thing is, is that he's got Harry Kane on his side. I think that's probably his saving grace right now, is that the most important player at the club is on his side. And I, Greg said it before, is is that one of the things we had confidence in Jose coming in was his ability to diagnose problems. But one thing that Jose definitely doesn't have, like Ben pointed out, is the ability to self-diagnose and to you know address when he is the problem or to admit fault even. Um, and, you know, you're not going to get anything from him where he's like, you know what, just set him up wrong today that, you know, didn't do it correctly, didn't have the right plan. They surprised us. You know, I didn't I didn't adjust soon enough. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's it is. We knew we were going to reach this point where the, the 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 player throwing under the bus began um, and, you know, we'd seen it kind of with individuals after certain matches. Um, but now if we're just kind of lumping, you know, the, the, the entirety of the squad under the bus. Like, I, I don't know. This is going to be a long couple months. There's a story in uh, Jonathan Wilson's Barcelona legacy book, which is really about the sort of dueling career paths of Guardiola and Mourinho. Um, there's a story in there about Mourinho's time when he was at Porto, and I can't remember the name of the player, but he wanted to sort of, like, get the squad focused and, ex- like, sort of set an example of what work ethic he was expecting of them. So he waited for, I can't remember the name of the player, he, he waited for a veteran on the team to, like, fuck up, show up to practice late or something. Someone, But he makes a point of saying in the book, or Wilson makes the point from his reporting, that, like, Mourinho picked someone he knew he was going to be able to take it. And he bitched him out in front of the entire team because there's a lot of young guys on that Porto team and really laid into him and banned him from training for a day. And, like, you know, the second he came back to training, he, like, as soon as he did something good, Mourinho, like, put his arm around him and made him feel thick. And that's the kind of example where, like, okay, maybe you're using this aggressive throwing players under the bus to, like, you know, you're doing it for an express reason. You've got a point, you know, that you're actually trying to make to the squad, not just to establish dominance, but, like, you know, you're trying to set examples, you're trying to actually accomplish something, even if it's like a fucked up way to do it, you're actually doing that. And I feel like we've gone all the way from there to like, he's just trying to prove he's right or establish his dominance. There's like, there's no reason for feuding with Delhi or Indombole. you know, like, what do you need to do? Point, point out to the rest of the team that like, you need to be fit? Like, that's not, you know, like the, the rest of the team knows that. It's not a problem for the rest of the team. You don't need to embarrass this guy. You need to build these people up. And he's just feuding for no fucking good reason. And it's like Brian said, we all knew we'd end up here. I think we just all hoped in a better world maybe we would have won something on the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Boomhauser. Uh, so we got a cup final coming up. I'm curious, would you guys rather fire Mourinho before the final and try to win it with yes. another coach? Or do you want him to, or do you want him to, you know, we're going to play, we're probably going to get massacred by Pep City regardless. So, or do you want, do you just want Guardi, Guardi, do you want Guardiola to embarrass him and him to just to soak up those bullets? I mean, a seven nil defeat to Pep Guardiola city in like a cup final would be kind of a fitting end to like Jose's <laughs> career. Um, but he, boy, I mean, boy, you, you got, you got like some ambitions for how this could go. Damn. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I, I think we have a better chance of winning with him not being the manager. Um, but if he is still the manager and we somehow win, I'm just concerned that that maybe buys <laughs> him a reprieve. Because, you know, look, we all talk about, you know, how bad it's been. But are we really 100% confident that Levy would part ways with him, you know, a month after winning a trophy? I I'm I I mean even if we finish like ninth I'm not confident that we add a trophy to the cabinet and Levy's like, "Eh, all right, goodbye." I mean, that I'm would be funny. Confident that if we don't play well down the stretch, he's gone regardless of the trophy. Like cuz the thing is like Finishing ninth means losing a bunch of our last games, and after every single one of those games, he's got to go off and make up, go and talk to the press. Like, 
we have to actually play well, and people have to actually be happy for him to keep this job. I mean, I, I'm, we, I'm pretty confident. We did play well against, you know, Villa a week ago. Or no, uh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Villa a week ago. It's not inconceivable we string a few of those together. But then again, like, look at what we did against Newcastle. I mean, literally one yeah. of the worst teams in the league. I mean, I mean, like, if we string together a bunch of good performances, like, we don't feel as miserable at this anymore. Like, they're starting to find a little bit of a balance. You can, like, you know, I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, we, we, we've seen this team not strike a balance again and again and again. Like, what could happen that scares me is that we could just luck into results. We nearly beat Newcastle. Harry Kane's that good. Harry Kane's that good this year. It kind of gets lost in the fact that Spurs have been so awful to watch and we don't have a coherent attack. But Kane's having a really good season. And we are wasting this season. That That's so maddening. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, Kane and Son are having career years, and we're fucking terrible, and it's the player's fault. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the thing that gives me pause about firing Jose before the cup final, which I would love, I would love the world where we do fire him, Ryan Mason comes in, and as caretaker manager, fresh off of his stint with the U18s, and, you know, the players all get happy, and they just win one for the Gipper. I personally but, would hate that particular scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Mason would be immediately our, our most successful manager in over a decade. Um, but the thing that like gives me pause is, like, right now we're just, like, the last stupid club to hire Jose Mourinho. Um, you know, we're on the verge of being the only club that hired Jose Mourinho and didn't win a trophy. And we could be in the situation where we're the dumb club who hired Jose Mourinho to win a trophy, fired him before the final, lost the final, and then we have to hear for the rest of our fucking lives about how we fired Jose Mourinho before the cup final and blew our only chance at silverware in a decade for dumb reasons. I'm like, I do not want to hear that ever. Like, I, That just is just the kind of take that I know we're going to get all over the English media, and I am just already angry. Well, just get ready, because Mourinho is going to say something, if not multiple somethings, regardless of how the cup final goes. When we fire him, he's going to say something or somethings that Chelsea and Arsenal fans will like retweet in your timeline for the rest of your fucking life. It is going to be extremely cutting and very irritating, no matter how bad the rest of Mourinho's career goes, about our club. So, just right. gird your loins for that. It was like always waiting on the horizon. This, the day we hired Jose Mourinho, this day was going to come. Where either, you know, he's the fucking hero who won us our only trophy in forever and, like, gets to hold that over our head forever. Or, you know, he's just going to, like, piss and moan about how we were the only team who couldn't win a trophy with the great and mighty Jose Mourinho at the helm. What's that to say about Spurs? And it's going to be fucking terrible regardless. So. Yeah, I don't know. I hope he fucking falls down a manhole on the way to the final and, like, the team has to manage themselves. Joe, Joe like, that's is, the only way out. Joe Sacramento just comes <laughs> in and leads us to glory. Basically. It's just... Uh, it's so... It's it's so bad. I, I don't know. I, I feel... There's a lot of chatter that Mourinho's cooked right now. I mean, from you, you read between the lines of any press club coverage, you, you read ITKs on message boards. It's There's a lot of chatter that either Mourinho's gone soon because everyone hates him or that Spurs are having a very serious coaching search right now. I find that all terribly encouraging, and I, I tend to think Spurs fans have underrated just how cold-blooded Daniel Levy is about all this. Michael, we haven't talked to you about this on this podcast. Where, where, where are your sort of thoughts on the Spurs coaching search? Yeah, I think one thing, I, I want to say something uh, positive about Tottenham Hotspur. Okay. Um, like You're on the wrong podcast for it, but we'll allow one it. One thing so. that's happened this season that I think gets lost because Spurs have been bad because they've got a manager who at minimum fits the talent really badly is that a lot has gone right with our player development. Um, Harry Kane's back. That, that's the biggest thing. We, we've got a superstar striker again after, like, a season and a half of, like, having a medium striker. Like, he's he, he got the time off they needed, whatever it is. He's also adjusted his game. Um, 
and he's he's a superstar. It's it's amazing. I think that we should expect him to be very good next season. Like the, his decline will come eventually, but it's unlikely to come at twenty eight. Um, on top of that, Tanya Ndombele has like developed into a better defensive midfielder than he'd been in France while still doing a ton of ball progression. Uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg has, I mean, at at Southampton, the big question was his ball retention. Like, there's, it, it was in a hostile system. It was, it, 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 it's, a, it's a high risk system. But like, the idea of him as a really safe six was not obviously sort of shown to be the case by his numbers and by his performances at Southampton. And he looks like a really pure base of midfield six early at in his peak that we've got for several more seasons. Like there is so much to build on with this team. There's a star core still in their mid to late twenties. And if we get a good manager in, like it's very easy to see how this starts to work very quickly. And like, you know, we're rumored to get Nogglesman and he's done. Uh, he does look, like legitimately one of those like new geniuses in football like his teams are really over somewhat over complicated systems where each piece has to move here and here and here in order to get this last piece to move here and get chances but he manages to make train players to actually do that and the and the systems work it'd be amazing if we could get him but um you know a lot of just good managers i think could pretty quickly figure out what to do with this talent to get us winning. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting you point out that you know, our, our, in spite of Mourinho, our player development as well. I mean, it's worth remembering that season with AVB and Tim Sherwood, we finished sixth. I mean, think about how everything went wrong that season, except for starting Kane as a, as a striker. And you know, there is a sturdier infrastructure here than I think we give him credit for sometimes. I, I, like, you know, I mean, the back line is my big concern for whoever takes over Spurs next year or whoever's managing Spurs, if it happens to be Mourinho. I, I think there needs to be a lot of work done there. I, I mean, let, let, let's see. Michael, do you think Nogglesman could get something useful out of Matt Doherty? <laughs> how, how big a miracle worker do you think he is? I mean, honestly, like, he built an attack around Annalino scoring goals. Dale. Like, like he, like give him a, a wing back with a really weird set of skills. Like that's his game, man. I mean, if anything else, like our center back problems would be minimized by the fact that we would maybe not be defending quite so close to our goal. Uh, you know, the, the only thing that would be, you know, bad is Toby's maybe lost a step. And so now you have to you have to play Davinson or Rodon with him to, you know, cover in behind. Um, but, you know, if Toby's playing a lot closer to the center circle than he is to, you know, the six yard box, we're probably going to minimize some of the defensive mistakes and the liabilities that we've had. Uh, not that we shouldn't buy another center back. We absolutely should. But, you know. Holding on to the ball is a good way to avoid defensive mistakes in your defensive third. Yeah, and I mean, you know, even with what we do have, like if, assuming we keep Regulon, Re, Regulon, Joe Roden, and honestly Tanganga look like three very promising, very young defenders that, like, again, you can build around. Like, yeah, go buy a good 26-year-old center back who can, like, jump into the heart of defense and, like, take, take Toby's spot – and, like, the rest of the team around it from that forward is, like, that's, that's a good team. Like, you don't need to do a ton to make this squad work. Like, if we were if we were just one center back away from Jose's, you know, perfect team being executable on the pitch, you know, then you'd say, sure, give him another season. But it's, like, there, there's no reason to believe that, that he is the guy who is uniquely capable of making that work. If all we need is a center back to be good, then we don't need to pay a guy $15 million a year to do that. I mean, the one good thing about, like, if Regulone is not here next year, we've got £40 million pounds to spend on a left back and or center back. So, you know, uh, while I would like to keep him around, um, I don't think, I don't know that he's, uh, if, if he goes and we they, Real Madrid pay that buyback clause, I think we can probably do something with that money. 
I think yeah. both the good and bad news is I don't think he's been good enough for Real Madrid to buy him back. Like, yeah, that is the unfortunate thing. And Real Madrid probably... They probably don't have that kind of money to fuck around with. He's spot for a buyback where he's good enough that we want to keep him, but not good enough that he's worth the buyback. Like, it's exactly like, you know, if, if he would play like a superstar right now, it'd be like, damn, he's going back to Real Madrid. This is, this is a <laughs> I mean, he's probably not going back to Madrid while he's a dance manager anyway, so we're, we're probably safe, uh, but still. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like you look around just the Premier League and see guys like Graham Potter and Ralph Hasenhutl who, like, you can see the way that their teams are designed. And, like, yes, they have problems. And, yes, they're maybe, in, in Potter's case, not as good as their talent. And in Hasenhutl's case, you kind of wonder why their talent's so bad. But, you know, either one of them, you can see the way that they play and let's, like, map that directly onto the squad we have and be like, yeah, that would work. You know? And, like, that's just two random guys that we just happen to watch very frequently in the Premier League. There's a whole universe of coaches out there who are very good at what they do. And to think that the guy who's gotten us where we are this season, making it as miserable as it is to watch some of the most exciting players we've ever had, having some of the best seasons they've ever had, is just like an exercise in insanity. Yeah, we need to get a really good coach in here who knows how to use Lo Celso. So my ridiculous stance of Lo Celso is a much better player than Bruno Fernandez. Or... Hernandez, yeah, whatever. Um, it's Fernandez. Fernandez. Oh, all right, well, I'm having brain farts. I got my COVID shot today, so I'm going to blame it on that. Uh, I think he's a much better player than Bruno, and I need a good manager to come into Spurs to make me not look like a crank when I say that. Uh, Michael, we've talked extensively. I think the obvious candidates for Spurs next year are Brendan and Has- and um, and uh, Nogglesman. Are there any other – I mean, we've talked about Hassan Hull, too. Are there any managers you think would be an intriguing – and realistic option for Spurs. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, if... I mean, I think that if we came in with, like, we offered, you know, Graham Potter a dump truck full of money, like, he'd probably say, yes, I'd like a dump truck full of money. <laughs> I think he's done a fantastic job at Brighton. I, I, I really, I'd be really interested to see what he does at Tottenham. He seems like a smart young manager. Um, I think that if we don't get Hasenhutl, if Hasenhutl is, like, using us as a stalking horse to try to get the Bayern job or the Real Madrid job, um, like... Jesse Marsh would be a really fun prospect. It's, a, it's an, another guy who like has worked within those systems, has a very clear idea of what kind of pressing team that he that he wants to use. Um, like there's a bunch of there's a whole bunch of good managers out there in this world. Do you worry about needing to get a manager of a certain profile to keep Harry Kane happy? I mean, I, I know that. Kane is in a bit of a tricky situation if he wants to leave Spurs, but is that a concern for you if you're looking at... I mean, my guess is Kane has to be consulted one way or another, but are you worried about keeping him happy with whoever we hire? Not particularly. Like, if if Harry Kane wants to leave Tottenham Hotspur and someone wants to offer us money that Daniel Levy would accept to sell Kane from Tottenham Hotspur, like... It's a problem you take. Like, like you have like Kane and Son someday will stop being great football players. And the question is, do you replace Kane and Son later when you've gotten to have them play for a few more seasons, but you have no money, or sooner when you haven't got when you've missed out on a few seasons, but you have lots of money? And like, either works in a sense, but if it's B, that's okay too. Like that that that's how having a team that doesn't have all the money in the world works. I mean, so, I'm, I'm very much in let's ride Kane till the wheels come off. I'm not that way about so I am that way about Kane. But I think, uh, as, as they said on the wire, that seems like one of those good problems. Um, you know, either you've got 150 million plus pounds to spend, or you have a club legend playing his peak out for you. So Yeah, because Harry Kane, like if Harry Kane has to be sold, and no one comes in with the hundred million that Levy is asking for. And Levy says, I, I, I offered it. I, I, I put you out there. They didn't come in. I don't think Harry Kane like quits on Spurs at that point and hangs up his cleats. I think he just keeps trying to score goals. I think it works. Yeah, he's not going to go Christian Eriksen and limp his way to Inter Milan. Like, he'll be back. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think Harry's going to go just eat a lot of cheeseburgers and lose his hair like <laughs> Christian did? Like. We've seen Harry eat a lot of cheeseburgers before. I think he's put that phase behind him. <laughs> and oh. his hairline is definitely receding, so it, it would it would be a lot harder for Harry to do stats bomb cosplay like Christian Erickson was doing for a while there. So 
But yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I'm feeling weirdly optimistic about Spurs considering how fucking shitty that game was on Sunday. Maybe because I don't want Spurs to the lose. Light but is at the end of the tunnel. Well, yeah, it's like I don't root for Spurs to lose because you still get you know excited when Kane scores one of those goals because those were two very good goals he scored this weekend. But at the same time, it's just like. I feel like Mourinho has entered, like, the final phase of his transformation into an ex-manager. Like, it's just, it feels inevitable now. It's just a matter of when as opposed to if. Maybe, I, I felt that way before, maybe it's not true, but it, it sure feels that way this time. I, I can't Jose. wait for him to be the next U.S. Men's National Team manager. Oh, God. I actually think he would be well-suited. If he's going to be a good football manager again, I think it's in national team management. Like, if, if it's going to happen, that's where it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, he only has to see the players every, like, three or four months. There's not really enough time to feud with them. And honestly, if he doesn't want to pick them, then he doesn't even have to invite them to camp. Like, he can transfer. As long as they are that nationality, he can have whoever he wants in and out. And like, even he, if not, if he needs a new center back, he just convinces somebody to change nationalities, and you don't have to worry about financial resources and things like that. Yeah. And just the what will your government... Pundit. Like, he's really good on TV, and, like... As whatever problems he has as a manager, they're not about his inability to describe the game after it happens. Like for the most part, when he describes things that happens in the game, and he, he's like, he had this de- description of of Deli Ali when he first came in as like he's he, he's he's a sort of he's between a nine and a ten when you have the ball, and between eight and a ten when you don't have the ball. Like the really simple explanation of like what that guy does, why it's useful, why it's good, like. He's a really good pundit. He should quit managing football teams and go beyond BT Sport and make lots of money and be likable and actually teach you about football. It's win, win, win. I just imagine Jose standing up at the board, just circling players, describing how they let the manager down. (laughs) (laughs) Dead to me. Dead to me. (laughs) Playing with his balls. (laughs) I mean... With that analysis, he can go be with Keys and Gray and Qatar and fit right in. Jeez, uh, I, I mean, look, he's going to get another job. I, is I, he? I, that, where, where does he go? I, yeah, PSG he's gets desperate. Going to get another. Somebody will hire. He's going to fall down the football. I mean, unless I don't. Do you think he would go? I mean, I guess he came to Spurs, which for him is like this. But I mean, could you see him managing Everton or? Like Valencia, no, but some, like, I mean, I some club would like you know, like a club like I don't know, not Monaco because they prize. Maybe actually, that that's a club I could see happen. See but you know, to. like AC Milan, or even Ooh. though he managed Inter, um, you know, so, some Italian team would hire him. I'm 100 percent sure. PSG when they fire Pochettino. I mean, Lazio would probably love <laughs> Mourinho. Um, I don't. I mean, you know, he could always go back to Port Portugal. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think there will be plenty of teams that want him. I think the question will be, how does Jose view his stature in the game after, you know, probably the greatest failure so far of his managerial career? I think Spurs was eating a little bit of crow for him. So I, I think Absolutely. the further down the football pyramid you get, I think the harder it's going to be for him to stomach. He's on the ABB track on the Trans-Siberian Railroad to Russia, man. Like, there is nowhere left. He will look good in a uh, 18th century uh, photo shoot. So that's that's something that he Also think about how weird it is that Carlo Ancelotti is managing Everton. That's true. Like, if if you just said that sentence, I don't know, five years ago, eight years ago? Two years ago? Yeah. Everyone would have looked at you like you were an absolute crazy person. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti has managed the best and most prestigious clubs in Europe. And he is at Liverpool's second biggest club. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I think Michael is absolutely right. Like, the happiest you've ever seen Jose look was on the All or Nothing documentary. Like, he just loves being on camera. He's happier at his press conferences than he is in the dugout. He's good on TV when he was an analyst for a brief period of time. Like... I don't. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't just. We're, do we're missing the obvious answer. They're making a second season of Ted Lasso. Like, there why? Why be a real manager when you can play one on TV? You get all the center backs you want. <laughs> Played by mediocre British comedians. Like, come on, it's just 
It's exactly what you need. They could be as tall as you want, Jose. James Corden is the center back of Jose's dreams. <laughs> How tall is? They're An- all played by Stephen Merchant. <laughs> How tall is is uh, Anthony Jeselnik? And Mourinho's dreams can truly come true. Merchant would actually be the t- the right one. He's like what six five, six seven. I think that's I- absolutely right, Michael. Absolutely. Yeah, he's the Yannick Vestergaard of. Uh... <laughs> I don't understand that that's the guy we've been linked with. That makes He's me tall. Just, like, what do you I not know, understand? I'm so angry. Like, we were linked with Skrinya, who is, like, an actual, like, I, I don't know, like, uh, I just make it all, like. Don't you miss this, Michael? <laughs> if we're after Vestergaard as, like, a depth send back, like, the, the man is amazing in the air. Like, like yeah. And that is a useful thing. He's not terrible otherwise. If we're after Vestergaard to be like our number one center back that we build our back line around, that's a problem. So like, as long as it's A, it's fine. I just miss like <laughs> it's exciting like... transfer links. Remember, remember when we used to get linked with like random strikers and attacking midfielders that we weren't going to sign? Savitzer might come. That's kind of cool. He'll bring his manager with him. Yeah. I don't even know the Our team is really good. We need a star center back. And a manager is not fucking like a center back and not fucking up the managerial search. I mean, I just know we said last summer, like, you know, we need a really good right back. Matt Dort will be fine as a backup. And then he was our starting right back. He was terrible. And he was a backup right back. And he was terrible. So I don't want to sign any more depth signings. Like, we have so many guys who could be depth signings. Well, just go sign a good fucking player. Just, we have to do that. The crazy thing is, we have all these players that are kind of just not getting used. Like, I mean, is Steven Bergvine good? Like, I don't think we're going to know until, you know, we get a manager in here who's interested in, like, having more than two players attack at the same time. I don't yeah. know. I'm fairly confident the answer on Bergvine is. No. Well, I mean, at this point, he might be ruined beyond all use for a Premier League squad, but, like, you know, we haven't actually had a manager who wants him to attack since he's been here, so it would be nice to find out. It's I forgot he was on our team. Yeah, I well, exactly. Really, That's my point. Like, until you said his name, I, I did not, I had not thought about that guy in months. God, fucking God damn. <laughs> I mean, he's played recently, That's... right? He played in, like, the Arsenal match, didn't he? I don't know. That was... He did? Man. I have blocked that entire match out of my memory, except for the Rabona. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not saying 100 because we we all know how good my memory for matches in particular is. But I'm fairly confident he's played within like the last 30 days. Um, but I, I mean, you know, we didn't really talk about it, but like Tanganga started a right back this match, and I, I'm I'm in favor of more of that. Like, you know, like. I I still think Serge Aurier is our best right back, but you know if you're gonna bench him because he's Serge Aurier, like absolutely understandable, um, or because he didn't take a COVID test. I don't know what the but real again, reason is. Another promising young player who only seems to get starts when it's time to send a message, as opposed to like he might be good. Let's give him more minutes. Yeah, and so like you know Tanganga playing is good. Um, I I I I don't know. I mean, who who else can we play? That our kid Rodon playing is good. Um, you know, I don't think any of the the kid midfielders are really worth playing at this point, and none of the kid attackers are either. But I don't know. Like, I mean, Skip will be ready next year. Yeah, I mean, Dane Scarlett will be ready when we sell Harry Kane this summer. So that's good. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> and when we sell Harry Kane, we can afford the the transfer fee on Vinicius. So there's that. <laughs> Oh, good. They were set. I mean, we already saw the Scarlet Vinicius partnership in the Europa League, so I think we're ready. Would you guys? I can't believe I'm asking this hypothetical to sort of help end this podcast. Would you guys want Vinicius around if we're, if we hire another manager? Is would you would you like you know for a reasonable transfer fee? Would you want to keep him around? As a second striker, I like or a in, backup well, striker. I like him. I mean. I like the, the problem, backup striker. We might not be in Europe next season, though. And it's then true. Those, you, you don't need one. The problem is, is he's, what, 25, 26, instead of being 22, 23, or 23, 24. Like, like that's the problem with him, is, like, this is kind of what yeah, he is. Yeah, that's that's, that's what, what I like about say, it. 
he could be. A, this is good enough. He's going to be and, willing to play behind Harry Kane. That's what I like about him because it's really hard to find a backup striker for Harry Kane. So if you can get him for ten or fifteen million pounds, like go for it. And I don't know that he's played well enough this year for Benfica to be able to say to be able to definitively sell him to a Premier League club for more than ten or fifteen million. Like he's proved that he can beat up on Europa League competition, and he's proved that he's probably like, you know, good enough to play in Portugal or for a lower, you know, a, a bottom half La Liga team or or somewhere in in France. But I don't think you know if you're, uh, you know, if you're Burnley or you know, a Brighton or Crystal Palace that you're looking at what he's done for Spurs and go, yeah, he can play in the Premier League, he can hang. Um, so, I mean, if we offered them 10 or 15 million to keep him on as a second striker, I'm pretty sure Benfica would probably take that. They'd also take the 45 million if we were really dumb. So Yeah, yeah. we're not that stupid. Well, on that note, it's time to wrap it up. I want to wrap it up with, let's take bets. How many more weeks before Mourinho gets fired? Ben? Uh, all right, so the cup final is the 25th. Today's the 6th. Uh... Yeah, I'll give, him, I'll give him two weeks. I think we're going to get him out. We'll get a new manager bounce the week before the cup final, and then Ryan Mason will lift the trophy. Brian? Uh, when does the season end? Like June something, right? Like, And then the World Cups or the oh, Euros? God, in my start. head I had May pencil. <laughs> so I'm thinking like mid-July. So end of the season, basically. No, like, I think we'll go past the end of the season, and then there'll be, like, a month where it's, like, up really? in the air, and we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, and then we'll be like, yeah, all right, fine. Okay. Michael, when do you think Mourinho gets the axe? Or do you not think he's going to? I guess that should be an option, too, but I don't think anyone's going to take that particular door. I think a lot things are lined up perfectly right now, because we've got United next, who are a good team, and we're going to lose to them. And then we've got Everett, who... Hamas is back. They played really well against Palace this week. Like, they're actually fit and kind of good. We lose that game. We're looking at, like, three losses after the break and everything falling apart. I, I think I think Ben's two weeks is right on. I think it's going to be after the final. Or, like, the week after the final. One or the April other. 26th. <laughs> like, the day after the final. Yeah, I mean, maybe My then... birthday. Oh, what a good Can you imagine if he gets fired, like, he gives his press conference at the end of the final and they just fire him immediately after that because he says something so stupid that he just makes everyone furious? I want him to get the Martin Yule treatment if we're, like, down, like, 3-0 by halftime. Like, someone comes and, like, whispers in his ear. He's like, oh, you just got sacked. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> and here comes Juan de Ramos again <laughs> to finish out the season. Yeah, just flying down the tunnel. <laughs> It's like, hope, hope Tottenham players don't like ketchup because it's all getting thrown away again. Yeah, I need somebody to fly down the tunnel and hit him with a steel chair and then, like, put on, like, the manager coat or whatever. Gold, Goldberg, then, Goldberg is Spurs manager for the rest of the season. We're really going to get in touch with that Jewish heritage for the club. I mean, Fine. John Cena is a Spurs fan. I'm sure he's very motivational. Um, I'd be John Cena. Of if John Cena takes over Spurs before the Cup final, we're definitely going to win the Cup final. I I will guarantee that on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and I mean he's a he's a doctor and a rapper, and so you know he could fill a lot of different roles. You're right. He could do he could be both physio and hype man and manager. I think that's very important. You know, cost saving because it's costing us a lot of money to fire Jose. You know. So, and as we learned under Pochettino, thugonomics can be very important to uh, Tottenham Hotspur's success. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been out. We've been without a team rapper for a while. You know, thanks to thanks to COVID and budget cuts, it's, it'd be really nice to have one on the books again. I think so. Yeah, especially one as obviously talented as John Cena. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guarantee you that one of our French players is has like. A rap persona on the side, I, I'm, or at least a DJ persona. It's on the Hugo, side. but yeah, <laughs> it's surprisingly Hugo. Not not who you would think it would be. Why wouldn't you think it would be Hugo? I, <laughs> what are you trying to say, Greg? <laughs> oh, 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 we gotta go. Well, it's time. Though. It's time to end the podcast. <laughs> on a week where one of our players gets racially abused, which I think we're all very uh, 
very unhappy with and very um, sad for Davidson. Uh, this podcast really stepping out, putting themselves out there. So, yeah. Also, like, please, I just want to say to anybody who's like Davidson had a bad game, but he didn't need to be racially abused for it. Like, that is just not the way you respond. I understand you want to racially abuse him. Sanchez had a bad game. Like it's just bad that he was racially abused, and you can just leave him there. (laughs) There is a like deeply unhealthy relationship with sports going on there at the root of it that like needs to be like individually interrogated on top of the like basic moral question that these two things are unrelated. Oh man, we have fun. We have fun on here. <laughs> Jesus. On that note, I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, ben, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade U Spurs. Brian, how about you? Uh, you should check out my SoundCloud at Brett Rainbow. I'm, I don't know how SoundCloud works. Do they have ads? I'm not. I'm not cool. I've never you're, done you're a viral you're not tweet. Raps. You guys have done viral tweets, so I've never I've never <laughs> been able to promote a SoundCloud. Um, so, but I don't know. We'll pretend that's how it works. Brett Rainbow. Yep. <laughs> and Michael, where can where can people give you money on the internet? Hey, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/DoublePivot and give me money. That's that's always nice. Thanks. Get that cheddar, and you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. Don't forget to follow our podcast Twitter feed at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And give us a five star review on iTunes because what other podcasts get uh, noted internet uh, numbers terrorist uh, Michael Cayley um, on there? Just you know, a lot of them, but he was on this one first. So you know, give us a five star review, make us happy. On that note, for Ben, for Brian, for Michael, and of course for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.